0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: And so God's desire is that we now who are left in this generation, this generation known as grace, To communicate that same heartbeat of God for missions to be able to reach them for Jesus Christ. Can you imagine how God is smiling upon those people who responded to the prompting of the Spirit to be willing to come here to help us? How that God is smiling on those that felt prompted of the Spirit then to go to Missouri to help CEF as we're doing today. And how that God is still working within us to do that same particular message. How that we too need to follow that. So as I look at this, I want to reach this area for Christ. How is that going to happen? Well, let me just clarify this. This message of the gospel will go to all people groups. Now, he will do it perhaps a little bit later than just in our generation. In fact, that great commission will be fulfilled. If you knew your Bible and now we're at Revelation, can you imagine we went from Genesis to Revelation that fast? So now we're in Revelation. Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7, good quality Bible scholars will tell you that it is now describing a period of time that is most likely during the tribulation. It's during the time where all believers are taken off the earth, but there are still witnesses that are here communicating the message of the gospel. And those people, groups that have not been yet reached, will be reached even during the tribulation. That there will be people out of every people group, tongue and and, 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 and tribe, will know Christ as Savior. So God says, I'm not going to leave anyone out of my family who could be in my family, who should be in my family. And those that are left out are those who God in His foreknowledge didn't choose, but knew would not trust Christ as their Savior. And so no one will be left out. And that's the kind of God that we have. And we want to partner with Him on that. And I I hope we would. Look over here at Revelation chapter 7. A great encouragement for those that are out there wanting to do missions. It says, and after these things I looked and I beheld a great multitude which no one could number. Of all nations, circle the word all. You could almost draw a line all the way back to Genesis when it said through, all, uh, through the Jews all the nations of the world would be blessed. Tribes, peoples, tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So there will be people groups that will be in heaven worshipping God out of all different tribes. And that's what gets me excited, because now I have to say, what would be my response? If missions is such a high priority to God, then should missions be a high priority to people like you and me? And I believe it should be our highest priority. Now let me pause for a moment and give you a bit of a parenthesis. Some of you are hearing this and you're saying, no, I think our highest priority, if I take it back to the Westminster Catechism, is that we would all glorify the Lord, that we should love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and He receives all the glory and the praise. Do you know, I cannot refute that at all. I really believe that that would be the case. But in order for us to get to that level where people are authentically, genuinely worshiping God, God's way, and the right God... The only way they can do that is if they become one of his children by faith. And so our job now is to bring them to a point of salvation. Now listen carefully to what I'm about to say. I want to change the paradigm a little bit in the minds of people that think that I'm to go out to win people so they don't go to hell. Period. End of subject. Let's go to the next point. No, my responsibility is true to give them the gospel. I do not want them to go to that horrible real place called hell under the condemnation of God for all eternity. But I don't only want them not to go there. I don't want to just have fire insurance. I want them to come to experience what it means to truly worship God with a pure and clean heart for Him. That's what God is smiling about. So to get them there, though, I do need to do evangelism. So that brings us to our next point now. So who's supposed to be involved in this? Well, as a church, mission should be our highest priority as well. If it is with God, and I'm going to be God-like, then I should have the same vision for that as well. Up on your screen, I'm going to show you a baseball diamond, all right? If you can see that, I have a pointer because I want to show you some things. I don't know if you can see it very well. What I'm going to describe for you right now is an illustration of some biblical truths that um, the illustration has come along and many, many churches use it because we can visualize it a little bit better. The biblical truths have been around since the Bible days. We've been taught that in seminary and Bible college, those that have been able to go to that, and so have you as well. Now, I'd like to show you, though, that sometimes churches now that are entering into the concept of missions, they make missions to be like a base in this baseball diamond, all right? Or they'll say, it's a compartment of what we do. We have worship, we have children, we have youth, we have Bible studies, we maybe do some stuff outside, and then we also have missions where we go outside of our church and do things. So it becomes kind of like a, if you don't mind me, Using this term, a strip center. You have this store here, this store here, this store here, this store here, and they're all competing against each other. Listen carefully. That's not how the Bible teaches it. In fact, a better illustration might be more like Disney World or Disneyland. Oh, you've got Tomorrowland and Futureland or whatever, and Frontierland, and I don't know all these different. I don't go there, but you got these different places, and you think, well, yeah, they're all different. Yeah, they are. But the difference between that and a strip center is Disney World. It's all about the mouse. Do you know what I mean? They're not in competition with one another. They're all doing this so that they can make the mouse world known. So we might have different areas, but it's all about Jesus Christ. Now let me show it to you again on this baseball diamond. So to help you, there are compartments. So it's not just only missions and we don't do worship and we don't do Bible teaching. We don't do fellowship. We have to do that too, but I want to show it to you. So watch carefully. All right, you have first base over here. This would be for people that would say, let's get started. We're here at Home Plate. We don't stay there. We're trying to get to first base. So we get to first base, and that's about fellowship. That's about making sure you feel like you can be a part of the family of God. You might trust Christ as Savior. Get involved in the life of the church. A little bit of assimilation going on to see who you are and whose you are so you can be a part of the fellowship. But it's not all about fellowship. It's not all about coffee and tea and eating and and parties and picnics and barbecues. That's only a part of it. It is important. It is a base. You can't get to second base unless you've been to first base. Now once you're doing that, you do go to second base. So now you're saying, okay, it's more than fellowship. I need to know the Word. I need to know it correctly. I need to know it accurately. I need to know how I apply it to my life. So a better term would be spiritual maturity comes from abiding in God's Word. So we could talk about Bible study. So is it all about Bible study in Sunday school and small groups? No, it's not. You can't get to third base unless you go to second base, but you can't get to home plate unless you go to third base. So third base might be, okay, I am around God's people. I have a sense of believing and belonging. Now I'm learning how to become like Christ, but now how can I help others? So third base might be more ministry leadership, equipping you to go and use your giftedness to help touch other lives locally and begin giving a burden for those that are beyond our people group here. So now we have third base, which is a very important base. But I need to tell you, though, it's not about third base. I can go to first base and lose the ball game. I can go to second and third base and lose the ball game. The whole goal is to take the runner around the bases. And here's where I'm going. It's to get them home for a home run. And here we could talk about missions. So is it all about this? No. Is it a compartment of this? In a way. But it's bringing people to the full scope that we want them to do missions. So far, I've been to this church four and a half years. We've did a lot with fellowship. We're ramping that up. We're doing some outreach events. We've really worked hard at spiritual life development. And I can give you some ideas that we're working there. Can we improve on any of these? Absolutely. Are we doing some ministry leadership development? We're trying to work towards that. But now we're really ramping up to help people to realize that God has gifted you to do mission work somewhere along the way that you would partner with God in doing missions. Now... Worship is where the baseball is in the center. In a sense because the pitcher is the one who controls the entire game. So really it's getting the person to home plate. So the game is about hitting a home run here. Mission. So it is getting you around. It is a base. It's not only base, but it's getting people to see the importance of missions. Now, let me go one more step. When the runner comes across and he makes that that, that, that run, he hits home plate, everybody runs out of the dugout and they're all clapping and celebrating. Technically, we might be celebrating the fact that that guy made a run. But I'd like to say that we would celebrate, not only did he make a run, but we're celebrating everyone who helped out. Now you like this illustration. Most people do, I think you do. But let me tell you one flaw with this illustration. You don't leave this base in a real-life Christian life church ministry paradigm. You come here, you do your fellowship, but you kind of like take first base with you to second base because you're still fellowshipping while you're Bible studying. Studying your Bible. All right, But you don't just leave Bible study to now lead a ministry so you quit reading your Bible and studying. it. No, you bring second base with you. And then when you go to home plate, you're kind of really grabbing first base, second base, third base, and you're bringing it with you. Are you all with me? Say, uh-huh. Okay. Now, that's just a little bit of a diamond effect for you to see that we're about missions. Now, if you will, I'd like to speak to our young people for a moment. I don't know yet if you could answer, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Most of you don't have an answer as far as a career. That is not wrong for you to say that. You're at a stage in your life where you're putting all the tools in your toolbox to be what God wants you to be, hopefully, and to know, to be prepared to add value to society for God in some measure. As your pastor and one who I I hope I'm representing God at this stage, I believe I am, I'm going to ask you young people, and you define where you are as young, and just say to the Lord, Lord, do you want me to consider missions as a career Move for me. Instead of immediately thinking I go to school to become a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, at least ask the Lord, throw it into the pot. Lord, would you possibly be calling me into missions? And I'm gonna just leave you with that. Sincerely go to the Lord, humbly ask him, because you want to please him. If he wants you in missions, you don't want to be Joan in the boat when you should have been in Nineveh and you're in some other boat. Okay. Now I'm not gonna say that every kid has got to go into missions. All I am saying is we all need to say, where are we going? Now, let me talk to you that are already in your particular profession. There's two things that I could speak to that. If you're in your profession in life, their question will be, is, am I fully satisfied? Am I really experiencing all from my profession, my job, what I'm doing right now, my employment? Is God possibly starting to maybe uh, stir up my my, my my employment nest? And maybe God is wanting me to say, wait a minute, I felt so empty in my career for so long. Maybe I need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, do you want me to transition in my life? I don't know how to do this. It's so scary. But but Lord, do you want me to do this? At least humbly ask God that. Now, maybe some of you are saying, I don't feel like God wants me to change from being a butcher, baker, candlestick maker. I am where I'm at. Okay, then here's what you're going to ask the Lord. Lord, am I using whatever profession you call me into, which I sent you want me to be here. Am I maxing it out? I'm going to quote scripture. Am I making full proof of my professional ministry, whatever that might be? Okay, so you just ask God. I'm only asking you to humble yourself before God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You go to Him. Now let me talk to you about you second milers or second half people. You now are getting to where you can uh, transition out of military or you can retire from your job or, 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 or the state or whatever job you might have, whatever it might be. And now you're looking at another 20 years of active opportunity for you. Maybe what you could do is to say, if God has a heart towards mission, maybe he wants me to be a second-half missionary. I don't know where that would be. It could be short-term, it could be long-term. Maybe you could just say, Lord, what do you want me to do for kingdom work in missions in the last 20 years of my life? Now, frankly, I don't know how long I'll be pastor here. First of all, I don't know how long you'll want me to be your pastor. I hope it's for a long time. But I hope that that when I get to a point where I cannot carry on the full load of this wonderful church... And we have to then marginalize our life a little bit to a different direction. That we then, Carol and I, would be financially, emotionally, spiritually, and physically able to do missions in some measure. I don't know even what that's going to look like. I'm so excited I could spit nickels that we're able to go to Myanmar in Singapore this year. Because someone has supported us to give us the money through the church to be able to do this. We're so grateful for that. But I don't believe God's called me into foreign mission work. God says, this is where I want you to be right now, and I'm so excited. All right, now, let's go a little bit further. My next point is, besides just the church, individuals. As I speak to individuals, here's what you could do. You can contribute to the fulfillment of the Great Commission right here in the United States. Let's let's now not talk about going across the field, and let's just think about what we can do right now here as an individual. Maybe God wants us overseas. Maybe God wants us to do it right here. I just want you to see, where does God want you to serve? For some of you, it might be locally. Some of you, it might be taking in, in more involvement in this church here. It could be that. I don't know. So maybe your first step will be, if you can't go overseas, and you're going to serve here, your first step is going to be in giving. Now, you guests that are here, I want you to know, I'm not asking for money for me. We're just saying that perhaps for us, God says that we need to resource those who are going. Rick Griffith, who Carol and I will be with in another month or so, he has a friend in Dallas, Texas. His friend is only 29, but he made this commitment to the Lord. He said, Lord, I would like to train myself to be able to live on 1% and give away the rest to missions because I don't feel called to do missions, but I am willing to take whatever you give me in my employment. And I want to give that to missions, so that'll be my form of missions. I thought that was pretty excellent if if he could do that. I think that's a little unrealistic as far as the percentage. But that's the right heart towards it. Sometimes when we get a raise or a bonus and we make some more money, and by the way, this recession may not last forever, and things will start coming back to you, It may not mean for us to upsize our house or upsize our car or upsize other trinkets. It might be that God possibly gave us a little bit more unexpectedly so that we can right then turn it into getting the gospel out somewhere else. I don't know, it's a possibility. At least ask the Lord before we spend that little extra he gave to us on ourselves to see if this is really how God wants us to use it. Just take it to the Lord. But now the last I want us to know too is that you can still in some measure get involved in missions right here at International. Now, you know where I'm going with this because we've already spoken to this, but if missions are good other places, it's also good here. For some of you, some of our little local mission work could be done, whether it's working with children's Sunday school, whether it's developing your own small group ministry style, whether it's taking on some things on our island that's not being done, or it's being done but you're sensing it's not done biblically accurate, and that you want to make sure that it's done correctly. I don't know, but take it to the Lord. Here's an opportunity for you. We've got a wonderful mission team. Some churches call it a mission committee. But these are a group of people that meet almost monthly. And their passion is to bring our people to our missionaries so that our missionaries can pray for us. And then they bring the needs of our missionaries to us so we can partner along with them. Maybe God has called you to help us out. And your first step is to maybe see Cynthia Fong and say, you know what? I don't know about missions, but I'd like to explore the possibility. I want to move where God is moving, and I'm sensing that God is moving in our outreach events, like night, No Fright Kids Night, some of our local things, and I want to help with that. And Cynthia, I'd like to maybe think in terms of missions. I heard about some families that, on their own, even without a mission commission, they decided to go to a foreign country just to connect with missionaries and see what they could do as a family there for a week or two. I'd like to know what can I do for missions. I'm going to tell you, God smiles on that because that's the heartbeat of God. He's a mission active God. And all you do is find out where you might be. So now you might be asking "Is your take-home point, I'm hearing all this, but what should I do? Look at the bottom of your outline. I just gave you three. Real simple three. Don't be afraid to be exposed to missions. Don't fear what God has best for your life. Don't fear God and the best that he has for your life. So, Don't be afraid to be exposed to missions. You might stumble into unfamiliar territory and it's quite possible you'll toss your bag of sweetener into a hot cup of coffee too. But I'll tell you, you won't die. Number two, don't get involved in missions out of emotions or to help God out. If you don't receive the call, God will not have anyone not meet Him because of your lack of faithfulness. He'll bring someone else along, they'll get the reward, they'll be blessed. But for you right now, my friend... Maybe what you need to do is say, Lord, is this coming from emotions or is it coming from the heart of God? And sometimes it's pretty hard to separate the two because I'm passionate and there are some emotions, but I really do believe it is of God. And then there are times that emotions are manufactured and man-made. And you know how you know they are? Is when you wake up the next day and you don't have the same emotions, the same passion. So make sure that you're following the passion of God rather than your own manufactured passion. But the last is this. As I live with God's priority in my mind, I'll just find out where he's moving and I'm going to be a part of it. If you will, take your Bibles for a second. don't have to look at a verse, but I want you to find Genesis chapter 2, if you will, and put your thumb there. Or a finger, whatever. Any finger you want. Then I want you to go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20. Not too hard. If you will, if you don't have a Bible, reach under your chair. There's one under your chair. There may be one in front of you. Just Genesis 2, Revelation 20 okay watch what I'm doing here I got it here here we go can you see what I'm doing right here watch what I'm doing okay now watch Bible this way can you see the two chapters Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 there was no need for a missionary because man hadn't fallen in chapter 21 and 22 man is fully redeemed and God has set up his eternal kingdom so there's no need for a missionary all those that are saved or would be saved or saved. Then the rest are already condemned forever. So that's separated out. So the rest of all of this, it's all about missions, folks. So when you read your Bible, I want you to think about bringing glory to the Lord by reaching others for Christ and helping them to bring glory back up to the Lord. The rest of this is all about God's mind on missions and helping others to know about Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, You might be a guest here today and wondering what this is all about. Really, in a sense, it's about you. Not all about you, but it is about you. It's about our people learning that God has a heart for people just like you. That God loves you and He wants you in heaven. And He doesn't want you to spend eternity in a real place called hell. And that this God wants you to worship Him forever, for all eternity. And to love Him and to experience the best. And so, this message really has your name on it. It's about a God who sent his son to die for your sins. But now, in order for it to work for you, it's a time where you humble yourself beneath the Lord right now and simply say, Lord, I am a sinner. I am your mission field. I'm the one for whom you've come, the one for whom you sent your son, the one for whom you want to bring into your family. And so, Lord, I am coming to you totally saying thank you and I believe you died for me thank you for the forgiveness of sin thank you that I could be in your forever family thank you that I can be a part of the people on the other side with heaven as my home and now I have a purpose and so Lord thank you for that but you have to humble and say I need you Jesus I cannot get to heaven without you I come to you just as I am. I don't promise you I'll start this or stop that. I'm not coming to you saying I'm going to trust you and do something to get saved or to stay saved. I'm coming to you to say I'm so hopelessly lost no matter how starched and ironed I am. I am depraved and I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus died and rose again. The missionary, the message, and the messenger. Now if you're doing that, my beloved new friends, I'd like to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're trusting Christ as your Savior today and you'd like for me to pray for you, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Raising your hand will not get you into God's family. Me praying for you will not get you into God's family. It's you receiving Christ as your Savior by placing your faith in Him where Jesus says, He that believes on me has right now everlasting life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God so that you could know you have eternal life. So if you've called upon the Lord to be your Savior today, never done it before, no one looking around, I'd like to pray for you. I won't have you come forward, won't embarrass you in any way. But if you'll slip up your hand right now, is there anyone here by an uplifted hand indicating that you're going to trust Christ as Savior and you want me to be praying for you? Is there anyone at all? All right. Christians, let me speak to you for a moment. Would you now before the Lord say, Lord, I know that in your sovereignty, your divine timing, you laid this message on the pastor's heart and he spoke. You wanted me to hear it. This is not just another usual Sunday morning message. What did you want me to do with what I just heard? How do you want me to respond? And now, my friend, I'd like to pray for you. How many of you are going to call unto the Lord in a humble state and say, Lord, missions from cover to cover. What do you want me to do for heaven's sake? How many of you would like to have prayer because you're humbly going to the Lord one more time and just, you know, recalibrating for a moment on missions in you. Would you slip up your hand? Amen. Amen. Father, we humble ourselves and... We want to thank you again for what you've done, and we want to thank you for being the great missionary, and that you're a missionary that never left the field. Oh, physically you have, but you sent your spirit, so you're still here. You've never left us without a plan. You've never left this earth without another person filled with the, with you as the person to carry on this plan. And Lord, I want to thank you for Carol, who led me to Christ. I thank you for the one who led Carol to the Lord, and the one who led the one who led Carol to the Lord, and all the way back, Father. And Father, we pray that this message doesn't end with us, but that Father, we would take it now and we would be ones that would give it out. Father, you have placed before us the month of October with opportunities to do some building work, but also to do some kingdom building work. Lord, let us know what we need to lay aside that is good, that we've been doing, that's really been good, so we can do the great now and give us wisdom for that. Lord, it's my heartfelt prayer that out of this group, you would call some of our young people into full-time... Mission work. That, Father, those that you haven't called into full-time mission work, that they would still hold their head up high, but see that their career is one to still facilitate world evangelism in some measure, somehow. I pray for those that are feeling like their job is empty and it's a dead-end thing, that they might now, right now, begin thinking about what they could do to transition into global evangelism. And those that have the opportunity to transition somewhere else because now they are retiring, that they would not retire, they would just redirect. And so, Father, help us, to be a str- help us, Lord, too, in this church to grow so we'd have more people to equip for ministry. And so, Lord, help us to be patient with those that are just entering in as well and love them and care for them as they begin to learn how to walk by faith. Now, Father, I love you, and I thank you for the great work you are doing. And I'm just so thrilled by faith believing what you're going to do in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.